0: Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It is Wednesday, April 14th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We talk Chiefs today, starting with the Britt Reid story. On Monday, the former Chiefs linebackers coach and son of head coach Andy Reid was charged with a DUI in connection with the crash two months ago that severely injured a five-year-old girl. On today's show, the star writers who covered the story. Reporter Glenn Rice and beat writer Sam McDowell joined columnist Vahe Gregorian in the discussion. What's next in the process and what questions are left unanswered? After a break, beat writer Herbie Teopi and I discuss the latest development in the NFL, that is, teams opting out of voluntary workouts that are slated to begin next Monday. On Tuesday, The Broncos, Seahawks, and Buccaneers announced their intention to opt out, and as Herbie and I were recording on Wednesday morning, those teams were joined by the Detroit Lions. There may be more taking this road over the next few days. Could the Chiefs be one of those teams? Herbie shares his thoughts. Also, more mock draft news, because after all, it's April. Okay, let's get started with our conversation of the Britt Reed case. All right, we're here with uh, reporter extraordinaire Glenn Rice, with chief beat writer Sam McDowell, and columnist Vahé Gregorian, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the, the news that broke on Monday. Um, and a full transparency, transparency, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon for the Wednesday podcast. So. Um, of course, this is about Britt Reed, and on Monday he was charged while driving intoxicated. Uh, the incident happened two months ago, and the crash left a uh, um, five year old girl, Ariel Young, with a traumatic brain injury. It's a Class D felony, and if convicted, Reed could spend seven years in jail. And we learned that Britt Reed was driving more than 83 miles an hour two seconds before hitting the first of two vehicles, and he had a blood alcohol content of 0.113. The legal limit is 0.08. Uh, Britt Reed surrendered to police and he was released on a $100,000 bond. So Glenn, I get, my first question is what, what happens next? What's the next step in the process?
1: Reed has a court appearance on May 27th He's being represented by uh, J.R. Hobbs, which is in the legal community one of the top defense attorneys, criminal defense attorneys in Kansas City. And uh, he will—he's being monitored for alcohol consumption. He can't go into a bar or go into a place where alcohol is the primary item sold there, and he has to be randomly tested. uh, Things of that nature. He can't uh, use drugs or any anything illegal, any illegal drugs, anything of that nature. So. I waiting to see what other things may fall out from this regarding uh, additional criminal charges he may face, he, but Missouri law has changed over the years. So uh, the prosecutor, Gene Peters Baker, went after the most egregious uh, uh, injury, which is uh, Ariel Young's uh, traumatic brain injury.
0: That's something I didn't know. Uh, that. She- um, she couldn't go after um,
1: everybody who was injured. It's, it's, it's Missouri law? That- yeah, Missouri law it was changed in uh, 2017, and uh, it's like a, a combination of, of various uh, DWI assaults and so forth. Uh, I think it's still being litigated in the appellate division whether uh, things could be uh, adjusted as a result of that law. And so I'm working on another story about the law itself. So uh, so we'll see how that turns out. So.
0: Sam, what did, what did the Chiefs? What did the Chiefs uh, react? What was their statement on this?
2: Yeah, um, I guess it's probably best to get it uh, word for word, but um, you know, they, they said that the Kansas City Chiefs organization remains steadfast and are concerned by all who have been impacted by this tragic accident. Our prayers are focused on Ariel's continued healing and recovery. The Chiefs are regularly in contact with the family's designated representative during this challenging time. Um, and it really echoes what they've been saying since the Super Bowl, because obviously this was a major topic of conversation at the Super Bowl. It happened three days yeah, three days before the Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, that they've constantly put their thoughts with, with Ariel and her family. And, you know, they're in a position where they're not commenting on what happened that night, what happened with Britt Reid. Of course, we've asked those questions. Um, and, you know, with, with the obvious assumption of, of potentially making themselves liable if, by, by saying something they shouldn't.
0: Yeah, you're right, and I should have made that clear off the, uh, up at the top that th- this occurred on the Thursday before the Super Bowl, Thursday night at like nine nine p.m. or so, something like that. Correct. And um, the Chiefs stayed in Kansas City. They were still in Kansas City, um, obviously, because the the team decided not to travel to the Super Bowl the week of the Super Bowl, as is you know as has always been done, but. Um, uh, but they decided to wait until Saturday, so they were in town Friday and then left for Tampa on on Saturday afternoon. And of course, that decision to stay in Kansas City was, as it turned out, a pretty fateful one. But uh, so, like, I guess the, the the question I ask myself, and I suppose is is pretty key to the to the whole thing, is you know where where Britt Reed was drinking and. Um and where did he you know, where when he blew the point one one three, where did that happen? Uh well, I, I guess we have some reason to believe it wasn't at a bar or a restaurant because he told police um at the scene that he had just left work. But it, that strikes me as being a pretty significant uh, question to to have answered, doesn't it, Vahe, that um you know, where Britt Reed Consume the alcohol is important here. It is,
3: and in a lot of ways, it it is the very core of, of what we might be thinking about beyond beyond the tragic injuries, right? What what what's the context? You know, when what do we know about how it happened? And frankly, it, it, whether circumstances were um, in some way preventable. Um, what 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 is the setup that that uh, is is out there at the complex i mean there's just a lot of questions about this and we understand that there's there's some things that are delicate some things that are private some things that are a matter of potential litigious nature all those things but i do feel like through all this we we've not really gotten any kind of clear signal from the chiefs about um what happened that night and i i i'd like i'd like to think there's a way they could be more forthcoming
0: One thing we don't know is, um, we don't know about any kind of NFL policy about alcohol in a team facility, do we? Is that? Well, we never had to think about it before. Yeah, you know, I
2: mean, when you look up the code of conduct, uh, the most recent one I could find mentions not having substances in the team facilities, and so you know, it's it's just kind of vague language in that sense to know the the legality of actually having alcohol. Um, And I do think this is an important point because. You know, I I think people have probably wondered why we haven't reported certain things. And and certainly when the wreck or the the crash occurs so close to the facility and it makes logical sense that it's on his way home knowing where he lives and he says he was coming from work that I'm sure readers can connect those dots on their own, but we deal with knowing exact facts and reporting exactly what we do know, which is why we haven't reported that he was drinking at the team facility. And uh, therefore, you know whether or not um, how he was drinking at the team facility. But those are certainly questions that that we're we're continuing to try to report and continuing to try to answer. And to Vahe's point, at some point the Chiefs owe us these answers as well.
0: Well, I think they owe the public th- the answers, right? I mean, they um, there there's a, a kind of a, a, there's a five year old girl who. know whose life has been changed altered because of this and um and the public was put in harm's way by the action of a a chief's assistant coach um i I think there's uh there's a reason to expect some answers from the chiefs other than the sympathetic you know statements that we've been getting from them and I, i don't listen the attorneys, I'm sure are, uh, none of this is happening without a lot of conferences, right, among attorneys, and there has to be some strategy to what to say, when to say it, how to say it, that that sort of thing, but um, we are approaching uh, the NFL draft, and that is a spotlight time for for all NFL teams, and, uh, you know, Andy Reid and... Red Beach, Mark Donovan. There will be members, and and even look, even Clark Hunt has been, you know, speaks publicly during the NFL draft or has in in the past. So um, there will be opportunities for them to say something
2: about this.
0: And do we do we think that's going to happen, though?
2: It's a great question. I mean, I'm certainly curious to see how they're going to approach this. You know, Andy Reid's the first one out of the gate of those ones you just mentioned. He talks on Monday. Like you said, Blair. I mean, they've certainly discussed and prepared. Like they, they know questions are going to be coming about about Britt Reid. Um It would be regardless, but the fact that it's his son certainly adds a, a whole another layer to this to this context. But um, I, I really don't know. I, I don't know what Andy Reed is going to say on Monday, and I'm curious myself. And just to add to this, I mean, it's kind of the, the, the elephant in the
3: room in a certain way, right? But the, there is a somewhere in here a very personal story about Andy Reed and his son. Now. To what degree andy reed wants to open up about that to what degree it's appropriate i think is something that we're sensitive to but it, it is a notable part of this story especially because of the difficulties of the past and all those things andy at times has opened up about uh some of the strife that you know the tragedy in his family and um i don't know whether he'll be inclined to do that at this point but um i i I, I hope he would be considering that.
0: Okay, guys, thanks uh, for the conversation. Bahie Gregorian, Glenn Rice, and Sam McDowell. Uh we're gonna take a break. And when we come back, uh more Chiefs conversation. Herbie Teope has joined us. Um it's we're recording this at 9 a.m. on Wednesday, so by the time this gets posted, there may be more NFL teams opting out of voluntary workouts. But for the moment, we know that the Broncos, the Seahawks, and the world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, made it, they made it known on Tuesday that they were, they were not going to participate in voluntary workouts. Just take us through this process, Herbie. What um, first of all, let's define what a what a voluntary workout is. What's the, what's the, what's the timeline for that, and and then we'll we'll get into what, what the decisions that the, the that these teams made.
4: Yeah, in a normal year, uh, and you're right, voluntary. That's the key word. It's voluntary. And I'm always reminded back in 2017 when Andy Reid blew up at OTAs when he was getting, as he said, he was getting pummeled by questions on why a certain player wasn't there. Uh, and of course, I wasn't here at the time, but that thing went viral, and you know we were watching it from afar. And he's absolutely correct. It's a voluntary workout. But here's the deal with this one. The NFLPA has been trying to work out with the NFL to make this part of the, the, the offseason virtual, kind of like they wanted to mirror, kind of like what they did last year during the pandemic, even though the pandemic is still ongoing, but they, they wanted to, to mirror that virtual workouts. Uh, there's some pushback from the owners or some pushback from the team. They want the players in. But again, it goes back to voluntary. Uh, I find it fascinating that the one team that stands out to me of the three you mentioned there so far, the Buccaneers, Super Bowl champions. And obviously you've got Tom Brady there, who's, you know, one of the faces of the NFL. So it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the team's if they fall in line, because it's the union. The union wants to put on a, a, a solid front uh, togetherness. So it, it's, we're probably gonna see some movement here in the next few days, next few hours, because Monday is phase one of the off-season workout program, which is medicals, uh, lifting, et cetera. And then it's gonna move into phase two, which is classroom and on-field workouts. And then obviously the OTH, organized team activities all of that the three phases remain voluntary before the mandatory minicamp in mid june
0: okay and, and i was remiss we should say there this is happening because of covid-19 concerns so what are what are the prospects of the chiefs joining this this group oh you're asking me to
4: speculate <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's i don't you know that that remains to be seen I do know that Patrick Mahomes is the NFLPA voice for the locker room. Last year, it was Dustin Colquitt before he was released. So once Colquitt was gone and Mahomes took over, this is going to be fascinating. You know, he and Andy Reid have a really good relationship. We know Andy Reid would prefer to have players in in the building. So this is going to be one of those situations where Mahomes is going to do and I'm purely speculating here. Mahomes is going to do what's, what's best for the team, or he may decide to, you know, with the union. That's the key thing. What's the union going to say? So I don't know. He's got a fine balancing act right now to try
0: to figure out. You know, you know um, so this was the case last year, right? There, there were no workouts. There, were, there, The players didn't come into the building until fall camp, right? Um, Correct.
4: Yeah, so- but last year was – Sorry, but last year was a little different because that was mandated league wide because they had to go with local governments, uh, city governments, you know, their protocols in place. And you got to remember last year, the coaches weren't even allowed in the building. (laughs) So but this year they started loosening them up. And I find it fascinating as well that the NFL informed teams yesterday that certain employees or all the team employees have to be vaccinated, whereas for the players, that's not mandatory yet. So there's there's a lot of things in play right now that the NFLPA and the NFL have to work out before anyone's allowed, or excuse me, players are allowed in the building.
0: I saw some sentiment from from some players yesterday that uh, they point to last season and the quality of play of the of the 2020 regular season, and suggesting there was no drop off in quality of play, and and that was after a you know, of spring and summer of players not being in facilities. Now, uh, you know, who are we to judge? But if the, if a player suggests that or say that, that um, don't they have a case that, uh, you know, that I, you know, we've been hearing uh, for years that some players don't want to participate in this. And, and some players don't. Like, as you said, in 2017, you know, there was the uh, – Andy Reid was being asked every day about certain players that weren't there – and, um, and and other players have opted and listen, they have just not participated in offseason workouts. So I guess my question is, um, are, are the Chiefs with any of the teams that don't participate, the Bucks, the Seahawks, the, the Broncos, but are they putting themselves at a competitive disadvantage by not doing this? I think when you look at the younger players, especially that, that
4: that's where you're going to run into your issues do we think uh, linebacker Willie Gay would have benefited from OTAs? Absolutely. You know, it, you, when you got players going into a hard scheme and it takes a while to pick up, they're behind the power curve. You remember last year for training camp, it wasn't even a full training camp. It was an abbreviated training camp. You know, they, they chopped that thing down. Normally it's a 21 day event. They chopped it down to what, 12 days. And then it was the start of the regular season. So it's, it's, Either the young players, the, the rookies especially, are the ones who are going to be at a disadvantage. Teams who have an influx of new personnel are going to have a disadvantage because they're not stepping in and knowing the scheme. You know, For the Chiefs, one thing that would concern me the most is the offensive line. We know they're going through transition. Uh, if you don't have all these OTAs picking everything up and knowing the personnel packages and knowing the plays and you're not actually putting it in action until training camp – Hey, you're gonna throw your hands up in the air. Well, why didn't you guys do OTAs? Here's the thing, though. Last year, when players were not allowed to be in training facilities uh, during the OTA portion, they did go out and work out on their own. You know, you had small groups maintaining COVID protocols, so you might see that again. You know, Tom Brady last year when he signed with the Bucks, he certainly did that last year. He, He brought all his receivers out and they
0: worked out of the high school. Yeah. No. And I liked your example of Willie Gay. He is like, he's the perfect example of somebody who really would have benefited by being, you know, at the facility last year. Um, And I also like, I I like the idea of the offensive line, especially if, you know, know, we're just all assuming there'll, there'll be a new left tackle. And if it comes out of the draft and, you know, he's going to need all the reps that he can get at. Um,
4: in the center, you know, it, it, yep. we always take for granted this the, the center quarterback exchange. That's not something, you know, Austin Blythe is used to snapping to different quarterbacks. Mahomes might like it a certain spot and they got to know all that.
0: Hey, are, um, don't some players have workout clauses in their contracts, too? I mean, could they be losing out on bonuses because? Of yes,
4: the- yes. And I think that's what the NFLPA has to work out with, with the NFL, you know most of your veteran players, they're set, you know, but I think like for the young players, the first year, the second year players in their rookie contracts who, who want that extra money, this is who it really affects.
0: Okay. All right. So you're sitting at your desk, your laptop is uh, right in front of you. I imagine that as soon as we finish talking, you will you'll be working feverishly on the next mock draft because <laughs> that's what April is all about the mock drafts. And in your latest one, um, which was your second one? Uh, you also with the Chiefs, 31 overall. Uh, you had him taking uh, an offensive tackle again. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, Leon Eichenberg of Notre Dame, left t- veteran mm-hmm. left tackle, not veteran, but you know a, a, a solid left tackle for for uh, Notre Dame. Uh, this was a week after you had him with uh, the Alabama. Um, a uh, week after identifying the Alabama left tackle as as your guy, um, so my question is: Is there any? Ch- we we've talked about it every time we've had a discussion on uh, on on the Chiefs podcast. But any chance the Chiefs don't go left tackle with their first pick?
4: Yeah, there's al- that's always a possibility. You know, here here's the key thing: in the normal year, I keep saying normal year because you know we're not actually quite the normal. Look at us; we're we're still doing zooms. Uh, in a normal year teams like to have anywhere between 180 to 220 players on their draft board. Okay. That's taken into consideration, combine workouts, pro day workouts, private workouts, two of the three private workouts in the combine did not happen this year. I remember I asked Brett Veach last year, how is this affecting your draft board? And he said, he's probably going to see a decrease of players that they actually have on their board. Okay. So if that happens, anything's you know anything's possible in the draft you know are they going to address need or are they going to or will they go with the best player available you know when we do these mock drafts across the NFL when beat writers and all these draft analysts and prognosticators we're looking at the entire pool you know right without taking into account that Brett Veach and other team general managers only have 150 players on their draft board so players I'm looking at you know Brett Veach is probably reading my mock draft like this guy has no idea what he's doing there <laughs> you know but but that's that's there's some truth to that so can they go outside of the left tackle yeah that possibility is there and what I'm doing with my my third mock draft which is going to be published Friday I do shake it up
2: yeah oh, yeah I'm, okay.
4: yeah, I'm going to shake it up there just to see what happens and see can they still address the players that we think they need you know, that's, okay. that's the key thing. What we think they need and what the team thinks they need are normally miles apart.
0: Okay, very good. All right, Herbie, we'll we'll leave it there, and um, and we will catch up again next week. Uh, look, it's, it's going to start, uh, you know, next week is the week before the draft, so there'll be a lot to talk about. Herbie, thanks a lot. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A lot of cap tips today. Glenn Rice, Vahé Gregorian, Sam McDowell, and Kirby T.O.B. Thanks, guys. Hey, links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on kansascity.com. We got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of The Star. Certainly sooner than they appear in the print editions. Plus, many more stories that appear only on the website. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. And it's always a great time to subscribe. The, the Royals are off to a hot start. How about last night's victory over the Angels? Our local colleges are always making news. And, of course, it is never not cheap season. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. Love that E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, you send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we will be back on Thursday with another episode.